What's up, football fans? Welcome to episode 30 of Stick to Football, your year-round NFL draft podcast. I'm Matt Miller. Joined as always by my co-host Connor Rogers, and unfortunately, we are not sitting side by side this week, man. I miss you. We are not, and it would have been great during this wild trade deadline that's going on. It's been absolutely insane, and Matt, we have a lot to talk about today. Oh man, we do have a lot. We have a, a big announcement that we'll start the show with, and then, like we always do, we'll take you around the league, and we're going to do something today because of the, the we're recording this Tuesday morning. The trade deadline is is going off like crazy right now in the NFL, so. You know, we'll leave the, the NFL side of that to Sims and Lefko to talk about. What we want to do is talk about how this is going to impact these teams when it comes to the offseason. You know, what does it mean about the draft? What does it mean about free agency? Uh, we'll give you our college player to know this week. We have a great interview running back Christian McCaffrey of the Carolina Panthers. We're going to talk to him about Call of Duty, talk to him about life in the NFL, uh, talk about Cam Newton. And then we're going to do draft on draft like we always do with Kennedy at the end of the show where we get to answer your guys' questions. So uh, it's going to be a blast. I, I'm excited about today's show. Um, if you're looking for the Fix Your Team segment, we're going to do that later in the week. So uh, there's a, there's definitely a lot to get to. It's probably, like you said, it's a little bittersweet that I'm not there with you, but uh, we would have recorded on Monday, so we would have missed out on all the fun if I had been up there. That's right. It's kind of a little blessing in disguise that we're recording today. And, uh, you know, we have to start with... The big one, the one that it feels like we've been waiting for for a long time, is the Patriots finally shipping off Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, not as much value coming back here from the San Francisco 49ers as we originally expected. Just a second-round pick that could be a very, very early second-round pick. But at the end of the day, Matt, what were your thoughts on this trade for each side? Well, I'm shocked. Um, I really was. Um I'm, you know, no one is really that plugged in in New England, it seems like. So it's like, you know, this news didn't really trickle out. And when I, my actually mellow last night, we were sitting uh, together and he said, man, the, the Niners just traded for Garoppolo. And I was like, is that real or did Chaps tweet that? Like, did we just like, what? you know, are we getting punked? And he was like, no, 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 Schefter tweeted it. And I so I like grabbed my phone and I start going through it. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, so I love it for, I, I guess let's look at it from the 49ers perspective. And I, I am, you know, admittedly a 49ers fan. I really like the trade for them. Um, I always felt like, and I, I tweeted this this morning, that the the quarterback domino had to fall first for the 49ers. So I just expected that would be Kirk Cousins in free agency. So I know a lot of people are saying this means the 49ers didn't like any of the quarterbacks in the upcoming class. I think it's a little too early to say that. I think more so this means the 49ers either thought that there's a chance Kirk Cousins doesn't get out of Washington or they didn't want to get into a bidding war because, I mean, he might be trying to get, you know, 25, 30 million a year. This way you get Garoppolo, uh, who he's on year four of his rookie contract. So he's a free agent in eight weeks, but you have some flexibility there. You can franchise him. And I would imagine that John Lynch and Bill Belichick had some conversations about that, you know, like, if you're the 49ers and you're going to give up an early two for Jimmy Garoppolo, you're asking, hey, what are the chances that he you know, is going to re-sign here? How, how are our chances of free agency? And I would think that the Patriots, who have really tried to do Garoppolo a solid by not trading him to the Browns, you know, it's not like he had the right of first refusal, but they've, they've really tried to help put him in a good situation. I'm confident they talked to him and said, hey, do you want to play in San Francisco? And, and obviously he signed off on it. So I love the trade as a Niners fan. If you're a Patriots fan, you have to like the idea of getting more draft capital, especially in a year coming off a year where you guys only had four picks last year, 
only you know two of them made the team and one's on IR. So more picks, the better, especially for a team that, gosh, they have to really aggressively rebuild that defense. And they're also going to be looking for another quarterback now, a, a backup quarterback and a quarterback of the future in this class. Yeah, for all the greatness that is the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick, they haven't really exactly dominated the NFL draft over the last couple of years. So I think getting more early capital definitely helps them. I think when it comes down, when you look at this trade from the 49ers side, because Matt, you and I have been guilty of this. Many people have been guilty of this. Everybody kept saying Kirk Cousins is leaving for San Francisco. What I've gathered by talking to a lot of different people is the feeling around the league is that the Niners went this route because one, they got Garoppolo for great value, just a second round pick. Oh yeah. The fe- the feeling on cousins though, is that one of two things happen. One, he doesn't get out and that, you know, the, the uh, Washington does franchise him again for an absurd amount of cap hit. Or the second thing is they tag and trade him. And I think the value of this deal was a lot better. If you can get similar play from Garoppolo with Shanahan that you would have got from Cousins for only a second-round pick, that's way better value than doing a tag-and-trade with Cousins where you have to pay him with that trade. You have to give up a premium asset under the franchise tag trade. So the feeling around the league right now is that it's not going to necessarily be easy to get Cousins. Not as easy as just him going onto an open market and you pay him a ton of money and he's yours without giving up any picks. So I think the Niners looked at this with a very long-term view ahead. Shanahan and John Lynch got six-year deals. They said, okay, we're halfway through year one. We don't have an answer at quarterback, but we think it's a little easier to you know, kind of roll the dice on Garoppolo here than just bet- betting everything on Cousins. So I think this was a really, really good move. I think it was a very smart move. I think it gives them way more flexibility. I think Shanahan with Garoppolo can definitely make him a mid-level quarterback that wins them games. And like something we always talk about with this franchise, these guys have been granted the time to rebuild. And I think they're even a little ahead of the curve. I know the record's not very good right now, but when you look at the roster and the draft capital and the direction they're trending in, the arrow is definitely up for this franchise. Yeah, and I, I went back this morning and looked at my Jimmy Garoppolo scouting report uh, from that draft class. And, you know, it's funny because it's a lot of the things that I think really will fit well with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, the, the top thing that I noted for Garoppolo, quick release, excellent trigger, uh, has a smooth throwing motion with a, a compact delivery. But, like, I just kept talking about how fast his release and decision-making was. And if you guys have listened to the podcast before where we've talked about what does Kyle Shanahan want, you know, we've said it. He does, it's not like he wants a 6'4", 230-pound guy, or it's not like he wants a, a, a great athlete. He wants someone who makes quick, smart decisions. And that's that was Jimmy Garoppolo in college, and I know we've only seen a little of him in the NFL, but I, I do think that's who he has been. So, you know, as far as accuracy goes... He was accurate. I mean, he had touch accuracy. And he might not have the the hugest arm in the world, but I I really don't think that's a prerequisite for the Kyle Shanahan offense. Um, You know, he's a little short. I think batted balls were a question in college, if I remember right. But I I don't worry about that stuff. I mean, a lot of that goes to the offensive line. He is athletic enough to to execute the the half and quarter roles that you need. Now, one thing that I have seen this morning is people speculating, the, the 49ers training for Garoppolo means that the 2018 quarterback class isn't any good. I think it's too early to make that judgment. Now, if the Niners had done this, you know, if they had signed Garoppolo as a, a franchise or traded for him as a franchise tag player, like you were talking about with Cousins, Connor, then I think you could say this is, is an indictment on the quarterback class. 
and it's just one team making a trade, so I, I, you can't say what the other 31 teams are thinking. But I look at the Niners, and, and like I said a little bit earlier, they had to figure out the quarterback position before they could move forward in this offseason. And, and that was something I'd heard all along. You know, when I had uh, one of my sources there, I'd kind of been teasing about, you know, you guys need to get Saquon Barkley. You need to get Saquon Barkley. And he, he would every week when I was sending that text, he would say, we got to figure out the quarterback first. And then we'll, you know, then we can make decisions off that. So if you're a 49ers fan, I think you could be excited. If you're a Patriots fan, well, you, could, you should also be excited. As of right now, that pick from the 49ers would be pick number 34 in the draft. So as of today, the Patriots would be picking at 31 and 34. Uh, so that's a pretty good place to be. Um, we'll see if throughout the rest of the day, if they end up, you know, trying to move that pick to get some defense. Uh, I, I, that's, I mean, I know you watch a ton of the AFC East because uh, of your Jets fandom. If you're the Patriots fan, that's where I think you wonder, is Bill Belichick going to try to turn these these picks into something now? Or is he truly going to take you know, two top 35 picks into the draft? Yeah, I wonder the same thing as well. Because when you have those two top 35 picks, what you said 31 and you know 34, anything around there, you could package those and move up and go get a guy that you, you believe is a franchise-changing player, whether that's a pass rusher, whether that's a corner, if Malcolm Butler does leave. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Butler, you know, if they try to get value back from him, if they truly believe they're not going to re-sign him. So it's going to be really fascinating to see what the Patriots do because I think if this is a team that wants to guarantee they're back in the Super Bowl this year, they should get one more piece for the defense right now because I know it's been better in recent weeks, but at the end of the day, I just don't know if they can go toe-to-toe with a team like the Chiefs right now, and it'd be better you know, to be sure now than sorry later. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. And another big move that came down, you know, right before this deadline closes out is that the Eagles getting some running back help, getting Jay Ajayi from the Dolphins. The Eagles are a team that I think they are way ahead of where they expected to be. I think they knew they were competitive at times last year. I think they knew they'd be a playoff contender this year, but I didn't think they'd truly be there. They're at the top of the NFC right now. You know, you could argue that they're an NFC favorite as much as anyone, especially with how well Carson Wentz is playing and the whole team, the defense under Jim Schwartz. Now they go get they solve one of their weak spots that's the running back position by a guy that has struggled so much this year and I don't really put it all on him. I think there's been a lot of problems in Miami that have factored into Ajayi not being ultra productive. I still think he's a very, very good running back on his own. Something we have always talked about, you know, before and after the draft is that the reason Ajayi slid in the draft is there was long term concerns about his knee. But at the end of, at the end of the day, right now, those are those aren't concerns for this year. Those are down the road. And the Eagles got an impact player for a you know ver- I believe a fourth round pick. So you look and at the value three. here, they and have it's, three it's a fourth it's round a, picks. <laughs> yeah, it's a great value deal, and I think Ajayi is going to have an instant impact for them. Yeah, I look at it this way. You're right; he has struggled. That offense has struggled. I mean, when you have no passing game, it's easy to load up on the run. I think their offensive line has been pretty bad so far this year. Uh, so. I, I look at Ajayi, like you said, there were legitimate knee injuries. That's why he fell to the fifth round of the draft. And it, knee injury concerns, excuse me. But it, they weren't about like, oh, he's he's hurt. He's not going to be able to play. It's more about how much wear and tear can those knees take because he's already incredibly banged up. But if you're the Eagles, you just traded a fourth round pick for a year and a half because that's what he has left on his contract. And I, I like it. I like the move. You know, Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, looks at his team that's in first place right now. They have the best record in the NFL. 
And you try to capitalize on that because we've seen before Super Bowl windows are so tight unless you're New England or maybe Pittsburgh that you have to take a chance when you have it. And so I like that move because Howie can sit back and say, okay, man, we got a great young team. You know, we've they've they've struck gold with some of these trades that they've made. You know, they've traded off guys and it, you know acquired future picks, acquired players. You know, and and like we haven't even seen what Ronald Darby can do yet. So they've really been lucky in that department. This is another opportunity to be lucky and really take that offense to the next level. And when you look at that Eagles offense, Doug Peterson, the head coach, came from Kansas City, where he used Jamal Charles you know, in the outside zone run scheme and also as a receiver, a lot out of the backfield. And that's who J.H.I. was at Boise State. Um, you know, when looking at my scouting report on him, that was one thing I, I praised was how well he caught the ball out of the backfield. And no doubt. And they haven't used him that way. No. And I thought he was like a second round pick without the injury stuff. I, I had him graded um, as a uh, second round pick before the injury. And I ended up downgrading him, you know, once the news came out about, oh, okay, well, this guy's pretty banged up. Uh, so I downgraded him, a, you know, to like a late third round pick. But he has legitimate talent, and you know, just last year we were talking about he might be one of the best running backs in the NFL. So he's, it's not like they just traded for a scrub, and it might not be, you know, he might not be the the running back there for the next six years, but for the next year and a half, I think the Eagles got a really good running back, and and like you said, they have the best defense in the NFL right now. Probably Carson Wentz is playing like an MVP candidate. And now you add J.H.I. to the mix. So if he can acclimate into that offense, and I, I know it will take some time, so I don't expect that, you know, that we see a ton from him right away. But if he can get acclimated by you know week 12, week 13, then they're going to be in great shape for a postseason run. Yeah, and looking down the road, you know, for the draft implications of this, something we've talked about is, and I know the Eagles don't have a ton of draft capital to always make this happen, but is that they really need to add kind of a pass-catching back. Now, Jai can do that, but this doesn't take them out of play for somebody like a Ronald Jones, you know, somebody that can be kind of your finesse back or another speed back to pair with a Jai down the line. This doesn't completely cancel that out. On the on the flip side of this, for Miami... I have to say, this is a bad look for Adam Gase, a coach that I've been a fan of since he got that job, I believe in. I think he caught really bad luck with the Tannehill injury this summer. It kind of just set them up for failure right away, and they persevered, they bounced back a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, a little bit of Ajayi's failures this year fall on Adam Gase, and you don't really get great value in return from him. And I'm looking ahead of this. I don't think Gase is going to be fired at the end of this year. I'm not expecting that. What I do think we'll see in turn, as the seat gets a little hotter, I think we will see a very aggressive Miami Dolphins team this offseason and through the draft. We've, they have to buy You know, offense. we've heard a little... Yeah, we, exactly. We've heard a little buzz around Jarvis Landry, a pending free agent. We'll see if he gets moved before the day ends. I don't think he will. I think it's a player that they should prioritize to keep there for the long term. But at the quarterback position, we have a lot of questions. Is this a team that's going to roll into with Tannehill next year? Are they going to be aggressive and move up in the draft and get their guy? Are they going to sit back in the draft and take a guy like Lamar Jackson or Baker Mayfield in the middle of the first round? Uh, you know, Where are your thoughts with the future of this team right now, Matt? I don't know where the future is, man, because you know, they haven't been out with Tannehill after this year. They can cut him and get out of those last three years. On a deal that was terrible, by the way. They completely overpaid him. You just traded your your star running back. Your star receiver is a free agent. And I, like, I know you just said you don't think he gets traded. 
I know a lot of people in the NFL this morning think he will get traded. So, and and they they like Devontae Parker, they like Kenny Stills, but when like Jarvis Landry has the potential to be a, a star in the NFL if he's not already. So, yeah, I don't know what the identity of the team is. I, I really don't. And you know, I like Adam Gase. I really thought he was a great hire. The identity of the team might be the defense right now, and it might be you know the the defense is more known for like dirty hits and and Sue choking players than it is God. like good play right now. You know the 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 headline of the Dolphins season is that your O line coach got fired for you know doing blow on a video and sending it to a stripper. Like that's your that's your Dolphins headline. So. They, they don't have an identity, and and like you said, I would expect them to be aggressive. I would expect them to blow it up, and I, I do like Adam Gase. I, I really do, but three times this year, they've had under 200 yards total offense. That's embarrassing for a guy who was hired to be an offensive mastermind. Like You can't do that, and and those games were against the Saints in week three, when uh, week four, excuse me, when their defense hadn't really figured it out yet. The Titans the next week, the Titans defense is, is god-awful. And then the Ravens last week, and and in that forty to nothing, just absolute beatdown. So, I I would say the seat is probably getting pretty damn hot for Adam Gase. And like you said, now you have you know like you have an extra fourth round pick, awesome. Like you guys haven't right. drafted well anyway. So I, I don't I don't like the trade for the Dolphins. I really don't. And, and they do have to go out and figure themselves out uh, this off season in a big, big way. But I would say they, they will be looking at running back. I like Kenyon Drake. I like Damian Williams. We just haven't seen them this year to know if they can step in and be the guy. Uh, so one more trade in the little to our college player to know before we take our first break, uh, the Houston Texans, Dwayne Brown, their franchise left tackle holds out, you know, the first six, seven weeks of the season comes back for one game against the Seahawks and is immediately traded to the Seahawks after the game. Um, I I had heard all through the season that Dwayne Brown's holdout was not about money, but I never you know like heard exactly what it was about. Now it's kind of come out that the holdout might have had a lot to do with owner Bob McNair's ties to President Trump, and definitely um, Dwayne wanted out after the the comment you know about the the inmates running the prison, uh, which is not only a moronic statement; it's not even the right. You know, phrase it's all you know, around terrible. Asylum. Just all around terrible. Yeah. So, like, if you're going to insult people, at least get the phrase right. So, just an idiotic move by Bob McNair, and now you uh, don't have your franchise left tackle anymore. And by the way, you don't have any picks in the first two rounds because of uh, the quarterback situation. There. I mean, I, I think they they feel pretty good about giving up a, a future one to get Deshaun Watson, but they also gave up a, a future two to get rid of Brock Osweiler. So. The Texans are a good team, but they're not a I, they're not a good enough team to trade away their left tackle and not have picks in the first two rounds, in my opinion. Um, I know they did get a second round pick as part of this trade, but it's in 2019, so it doesn't help them right away. But I like the trade for Seattle. I, I had a mock draft come out Monday morning, and in it, I had Seattle drafting a left tackle. And it said in there, hey, they may trade for one, but until they do, this is the probably the most obvious need in the entire NFL is that Seattle needed a left tackle and to get one without having to trade away Jimmy Graham, I think was a pretty good move for them. I think so too. You know who I feel bad for the most out of this deal is Deshaun Watson. I mean, you get Dwayne Brown back. He goes out and yes, he turned the ball over, but he lit up a Seahawks defense and it's just now it's back to square one where I feel like Watson is going to be running for his life again. Now, I understand the situation. I think this was a broken relationship. I think 
Dwayne Brown was done with Houston, and I don't entirely I don't disagree at all for his reasons why if if what you just said is are the reasons. Yep. Now you look at you know the Texans schedule down the road here. They're three and four in the AFC South. They've gotten great play from Deshaun Watson, who's carrying the offense pretty much. You know, they have the Colts, Rams, Cardinals, Ravens next. There's no reason why they're not contenders down the stretch. So, but still, getting rid of your left tackle is a tough sell for me. Now, on the flip side with the Seahawks, my hot take of all of this is, and I said it to someone this morning, I love what the Eagles have done. I love what I've seen out of Carson Wentz. With this move, I firmly believe that the Seahawks are the favorite in the NFC. Yep. Because they've been there so many times. I trust Russell Wilson. I think Carson Wentz is going to be, you know, he's the, one of the guys that's the future of this league. But when you have Russell Wilson in the playoffs and his experience and the experience of that secondary, the pass rush with Sheldon Richardson now, who is getting after the quarterback with pressures, I just think this team really needed to, you know, really improve their pass protection and they went out and got the best available guy to do it. And I would not pick against the Seahawks going forward. With this move, I think it was that big of a move. It slid under the radar a little bit with the Garoppolo trade, now with the Ajayi trade. But I thought this was, you know what I like when your GM knows your identity and you're, is aware of your situation? The Seahawks have taken the summer by getting Sheldon Richardson. Yes, it was aggressive trading curse and a second-round pick. Now they've moved. They made a move for Brown. But the Seahawks have accepted that this is a team with a window, and they want to win a Super Bowl now. Yep. And talk about a guy who does fit in great in the locker room. I mean, I know that you know sometimes we don't jump into the off-field conversations a lot, and and maybe not as much as we said we were going to when we started this podcast. But you talk about a GM who knows his team and knows his locker room. He knows the guy who's going to fit in. I mean, the Seahawks are the most. Um, outspoken team I guess you'd say in the NFL as far as you know political side of things and the player protest and so you have Michael Bennett and Richard Sherman and Doug Baldwin and some really really smart thoughtful guys and you add Dwayne Brown into this who obviously had some concerns with his owner and his owner's uh, stance and belief and where he you know put his money and so I Dwayne Brown's gonna be a great fit with this team I, I would have to imagine he's incredibly excited to be going to Seattle where he has a chance to win a Super Bowl. And and like what you said there, the Eagles are very good this year. And Carson Wentz is playing even above my expectations for him. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Wentz. I really, really love his game. I worry about the left tackle position with Jason Peters out. Just with how they match up with a team like Seattle, who, like you said, is able to get after the quarterback. We saw that when they played the Texans on Sunday. Like, there were a ton of points scored in that game, but when they needed a pass rush, they were able to go get one. And you know, Frank Clark had some big plays. We're, we're going to see Sheldon Richardson just continue to heat up uh, as he gets familiar with that. So really, a uh, that's a, a trade that, gosh, if, if Seattle does make a Super Bowl, we're going to look back and say, you know, John Schneider pulling the trigger to get Dwayne Brown might be what put them over the top. Um, hey, real quick, before we do our college player to know, I totally skipped over this in the intro because I was so excited to talk trades. <laughs> We have a we have an announcement to make this week, so way to bury the lead on. I was gonna say my, you 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 teased it up big time, and then I realized you never actually delivered it. Yeah, so big announcement. If you like the podcast, uh, you get a, another chance to listen to it. We are we're growing. Uh, the podcast is pregnant, and the baby will be here Friday morning. So we are gonna do two episodes a week now. Uh, it's gonna be different. Uh, the Friday the Friday morning we're gonna call it Stick to Football Fridays. It's going to be a little different. You will 
unfortunately not get to hear you know, Connor's wonderful. I will be on the I will be on the sidelines. It's okay though. It will be a New York accent free podcast. <laughs> um, no Kennedy, so no volleyball talk. But it will be me. It'll be mellow, <laughs> and it'll just be like a, a a quicker show. You know, thirty forty five minutes. We will most likely take that fixing the fixing your team segment and do that on Thursday night so that you guys can hear it Friday mornings. That gives Connor and I more time to talk about the topical stuff, to break down things like the trade deadline without giving you a two-hour podcast to listen to midweek. So uh, you guys have been asking us on Twitter, hey, we want two episodes a week, two episodes a week. This is the way that we're, we're able to get that done right now. So uh, it's good news. We'll have two podcasts a week now, and and you know, hopefully, as we get into draft season, that might even uh, expand. Yeah, definitely during like Senior Bowl and Scouting Combine weeks, we'll we'll try oh, yeah. to to bump that up and make it more. But I'm I'm pretty damn excited. Um, we Mello and I talked a lot last night about you know what do we want this show to look and feel like. It's gonna be it's gonna be different, not different good, not different bad, just a little bit different. But I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Me too, because the show is growing so fast, and it's a big thank you to the audience. I, I think you guys have really gotten behind the show, um, which says a lot because we're not even really in the thick of the draft and NFL offseason. And the show is growing so fast that me and Matt have so much to talk about off the top of the show. We've been getting great guests. We had Leonard Fournette last week. We have Christian McCaffrey coming up today. Kennedy's been so good going in and getting all of your questions answered. But if she does miss some, this gives an opportunity. Not only it'll be good to get Mello's voice back on the show after he was with us all summer, but also to catch up on questions that we missed, continuing to fix teams every week. So before you get mad at us for not fixing a team in this episode, we are, the, the boys are going to fix a team on Friday's show. Keep leaving your iTunes reviews because I counted them up last night, and we might have to run a poll on the account because it was a tie between the Colts, the Browns, and the Jets. And if the Ooh. Jets win, I am making sure I'm on it no matter what. Now, the Browns and Colts, I mean, what we've done. We've done the Browns. We've already done the, we've done the Browns. So we will fix the Colts. We w- yeah, and that that's one I get on Twitter a lot. So I, you know, we definitely gotta. You guys definitely gotta get that one going because the Colts fans are so passionate about. I had one fan say to me perfectly last night. He said, "I'm such a spoiled fan. I'm not used to being bad like this. Please fix my team so we can get back to winning." And I was like, "Hey, I respect that you own it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Two shows a week is going to be great. We're going to fit so much in." Me and Matt, of course, are confirmed for the Senior Bowl. We plan on doing a show every day after practice down there, so we're going to have a lot of fun down there. Hopefully we see a lot of you guys that listen to the show. If you do end up going to the Senior Bowl, stop by, say hello. We'll get more into that down the line. But, Matt, we have a couple of really impressive college players to know this week. We do, man. And I was looking at yours. It's like, gosh, you you might have like – I cheated. You have 15 minutes worth of material on yours. (laughs) I'll get mine out of the way. Isaiah Oliver, the corner from Colorado, and we've talked about him before on the show. Uh, love this kid as a playmaker. He has the length. He has the speed. He reminds me of Desmond Trufant back in college, like when he was at Washington. That's the vibe I get watching him play. Uh, he has been just phenomenal this year. And I, I, like I said, I had a mock draft Monday morning. He was in the first round of it. So he'll probably be in my top 20 players on the big board when I when I do an update uh, after having a, a you know a lot of time off this weekend to watch film uh, I've moved quite a few guys 
down the list pretty far. So Isaiah Oliver, I would guess is going to be like said, top 20, top 25. So definitely a name to know, you know, six foot tall, 190 pound junior. Uh, but I, I have started to hear talk that he'll probably come out just because the grade is so high. So he's, he's definitely a dude to keep an eye on. Yeah, no doubt. I've been really impressed watching him this year. What stands out to me is that he might be the best press corner in this draft. He's got long arms. He's physical at the line of scrimmage. He's been a very impressive player. I cheated this week. I took (laughs) all of the Georgia linebackers because this unit alone is so fun to watch. They got the two seniors in Lorenzo Carter and Davin Bellamy. I hope both of them go to the Senior Bowl because I think they could put on a show there. They're so versatile. I've seen them stop the run, set the edge, rush the passer, do so many different things. And then they got the underclassmen. Now, uh, Natrez Patrick is you know currently, I believe, suspended or not playing, but so he'll probably hopefully be back next year. But Rokon, Rokon Smith is one of the best off-ball linebackers I've seen in this class. I fully expect him to declare. He's only around 6'6", 6'1", 220, 230 pounds. Very, very similar build to Darren Lee when he was coming out of Ohio State. But I think he's better in pursuit. I think he sees things a lot better. I've been so impressed with this Georgia defense, and it all starts in the middle with this linebacking core. I think you know between those three guys that I just mentioned that I expect to be in the draft, there is so much talent here. There's so much versatility. I think Smith, the underclassman of the three, is actually going to be the highest selection out of all of them. But don't sleep on Carter or Bellamy. Where do you have them stacked up right now, Matt? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I have I have Carter uh, as the top edge. Bellamy is the second edge out of that group. And Smith is someone who... Uh, this is one thing I love about my Twitter followers. If I'm like a little late on seeing a guy or I haven't really got around to someone yet, they'll be like, hey, dude, you need to check this guy out. And, you know, some people are assholes about it and they're like, why the fuck haven't you ranked Roquan Smith? And it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll get there. I promise. It just takes a little while. And then other people are, are cool and like, hey, man, no, you're watching a lot of players. Uh, this guy is an underclassman, so he might not be on your radar. Check him out. And what I watched, I did. I loved his range, uh, you know, the way that he just flows to the ball. He is, uh, you know, I, it's kind of surprising that I, I did miss him early, but midseason All American, like I said, a little small, but it's, you know, guys, that's just the, I don't even know if it's small anymore. That's just kind of the size linebackers are these days. And, and it'll be interesting to see what he measures at. His weight, I'm not going to care about a whole lot because you can always add 10 pounds to a guy. Uh, I think he has the frame for it. Uh, the height, even for a, an off-ball linebacker, I don't get crazy about height. I would almost rather a guy be too short than too tall. Uh, but he is, man. He's a player. And Mark Richt has Georgia playing exceptional ball. As far as like film study goes, Georgia is probably one of my favorite teams to see so far. So um, as far as like a round grade, I would think that, that Smith and Carter are probably like top 50 players. And Bellamy is probably a top 75 as of right now. Nice. Yeah, no, they are really impressive to watch. And I do hope, you know, two of those guys get to go to the Senior Bowl because I think they're the best team in the country right now, to be honest with you. I know it's a little bit of a hot take, but I hope we get to see them against Alabama. And I hope they show up because they got that talented backfield. They got so much talent on the defense and it's going to be a lot of fun. So I think it's about time we take a break. We're going to bring on Christian McCaffrey, which is going to be awesome. Talk to him a little bit about Call of Duty. Talk to him a lot a bit about football and what's going on with Cam Newton and those Carolina Panthers. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Stick to Football. And we have a, a guest we're really excited for. I know a guy that Connor and I both loved pre-draft. 
And that's Christian McCaffrey, the running back for the Carolina Panthers. And Christian, we got a ton of questions for you about football, but we got to thank the people from Call of Duty for giving us some time with you today. And we wanted to talk to you about, you know, your how much of a gamer you are. So when did you first start playing Call of Duty and what really attracted you to that game? Uh, I played it really since I was little. Um, I forget exactly which one it was, but it was one of the first ones. And uh, I have three brothers and, and we're all pretty close in age, two years apart. And so, you know, if it was ever snowing outside or it was cold, which it does get a lot in Colorado, we would we would all get together and, and play Call of Duty all against each other. And so that's kind of where my roots started. And ever since then, I've just been a huge fan. So obviously, Call of Duty has a new game coming out in just a couple of days. And I know you've gotten to test the beta. You've gotten to play it a decent bit. What gets you most excited about the new one in comparison to all the ones in years past? Yeah, so it, it launches uh, this Friday, November 3rd, on, on, on all the consoles, PS4, Xbox, PC, all of it. So um, I, know I, I, uh, I got a chance, like you said, to play it before. And, and I think the, the thing that made me most excited was it's back to, like, your classic kind of World War II boots on the ground. There's not, like, any flying or sliding or, you know, double jumping going on. It's really just old school Call of Duty back in its roots. And that's kind of, you know, why I loved it so much and, and, and why I can't wait to play it. So uh, I, this, I'm also like a huge World War II nerd. So I was going to ask you, like, how much of that is like what you're excited for? And um, as someone who is like uh, just, I, you know, I'll watch anything or read anything World War II related. How how is that experience for like, like you said, kind of going back to the roots of that? You'll you'll absolutely love it. Then if you're a huge fan of World War II, you'll you'll, you'll absolutely love it. It's uh it really is. It really does do such a great job, and, and I think that the maps are so cool. Uh, you have kind of your your maps that are spread out. You have, uh, you know, your maps that are kind of in between, and then you have your your trench maps where it's just kind of an all out brawl, and you just gotta kind of go in, run run full go in, in the heat of battle. So it's pretty fun. So now on the football side of things, you're on track for a pretty heavy workload this year. You're on track for 100 total receptions. When you got drafted coming in, did you expect to be such a big part of the passing game, not just the running game for the Panthers right away? Um, you know, I really just knew that my role was to do, uh, you know, whatever they needed me to do on offense. And so far it's kind of been in the past game. You know, we, we've uh, struggled a little bit in the run game, but, you know, that, that'll get going. Um, but uh, really it's just – you know, sometimes when, when they stack the box and do stuff like that, to be able to, you know, go out and slide or come out of the backfield and catch the ball, it's, it's like an extended run. Yeah, and we've seen you really uh, thrive in that role. I mean, you're on track for like 100 catches this year, and obviously, uh, yeah, I grew up a huge 49ers fan. I remember watching your dad play. How much have you relied on him, you know, as somebody who's kind of been there and done it, to talk to about? about your role, you know, because you kind of have been like an offensive weapon, not just strictly a running back or strictly a wide receiver. Yeah, no, he, he's helped me. He's helped me a ton. You know, I've, I've played running back my whole life. That's that's my position. I'm a running back by trade. Uh, but he's definitely helped me as far as route running and catching goes. And uh, I think being able to do multiple things as a running back can be really effective. And, and we've got a great group of, of backs in the in the room with the Panthers, with, with Stu and Cat and Fozzie and guys like that who – who are great at what they do, so it's nice that, you know, we can all kind of add our shares to the offense. Have you had your official welcome to the NFL moment yet, whether it was at a practice in training camp or whether it was a hit you took on the field during a regular season game or trash talk or anything like that? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think there's like a one moment where, you know, I you got to 
be ready. You can't be intimidated. Or, you know, obviously you're going to get hit hard, uh, but you're going to get hit hard in college too. And it's just everybody's bigger, stronger, faster in the NFL, but but you're bigger, stronger, faster than you were last year too. So it, it all ends up evening out. <laughs> so you play on a team with a quarterback who, I mean, everything he does is in the news, whether it's like a crazy outfit he's wearing or a press conference or something he says in a press conference. So a lot of NFL fans have a perception of Cam Newton, but what has he been like to you coming into the team and, you know, being a rookie, but also being a top 10 pick with a lot of really heavy expectations? Uh, he's been great. You know, he's a good leader and, and he's the same person uh, all the time. And, you know, he's been, he's been fun to work with. I think, uh, you know, he brings a lot of energy to our team and, uh, you know, a lot of our guys really feed off it. Christian, who's been the biggest mentor to you so far? I know you said you have obviously have a great running backs room, but has there been anyone else on the team, whether it's a coach or a veteran, that's really taken you under the wing and helped you out so far? Oh, man, the team is filled with guys who, who are so good at, you know, kind of bringing us up. I think, you know, my coach, Coach Skipper, has been great, um, you know, helping me learn kind of the ins and outs of not just playing the game, but also, uh, you know, how to be a pro. But, I mean, there's, there's guys all around that are uh, that are great you know you got guys like greg olson and luke keekley you know kurt coleman and, and thomas davis on your team you know those are guys that that you can all look up to and some of them not even on your side of the ball that that, that really kind of help us rookies you know know what it's like to be a pro do you have that one guy that you're just waiting to like juke out and and blow by him for a touchdown or was there ever someone <laughs> that like got you in college and you're like okay i owe you one and i'm gonna get you out of the nfl <laughs> Oh man, you know I, I don't think there's one person. I, I, anybody that comes, you know, tries to tries to tackle me, I always try to avoid them. I'm not, you know, there's not one more than more than another that, but uh, you know, pretty much anybody. So one uh, back to the Call of Duty thing real quick. If you had to pick two teammates to play with on your team, who would you take with you? <laughs> two teammates on a team thing. I'd have to I'd have to find some good. Only players. two. <laughs> um, I would play, I would pick Greg Olson. He'd be he'd be my trash talker. Just for the enjoyment of the game, and then I, uh, I'm trying to think who else who else plays Call of Duty. Um, I know I know Funches is pretty confident about oh, himself. Yeah, Funch is good. <laughs> Funch is good. I, I probably I probably go with Funch for sure. I love it. So, man, one thing we do with every guest is we run them through. We call it the gauntlet. It's five questions that we ask everybody, and it's it's supposed to be fun, lighthearted. So it's just like the first thing that comes to your mind. The first question we always ask is Connor and I are we're big beer guys. If you're a beer drinker, what's your go to? <laughs> I'm not a big beer drinker, so I don't know if I can answer that. <laughs> That's all right. Got to stay, gotta stay right. in shape. <laughs> Leonard Fournette said the same thing to us last week. Uh, number two, <laughs> what's the meanest tweet you've ever been saying? I feel like you don't get a ton of mean tweets, but all oh, I Oh, no, I do. Too. Don't worry. I do. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. I, I really don't read a whole lot of them. That's that's, uh, that's a good choice. <laughs> I, I don't I don't read a whole lot of them. I don't, there's not one that I really remember uh, that that's ever stuck out. I like it. Yes, not reading your mentions is a smart move. I need to, I need to <laughs> take that advice. All right, yeah. uh, I, we know you're obviously a huge Call of Duty guy. So, what's the one game none of your friends can beat you at? Whether it's like Madden or FIFA, whatever it might be. Probably Super Smash Bros. on Nintendo sixty four. Wow, that's a throwback. That's, that's a good yeah. throwback. All right, number four on a on a deserted island. Uh, who's your dream person to be stranded with? You can't use family here. Can't use family. Dream nope. person to be stranded with. Oh man, that's that's tough. Oh man, that, there's a lot of good options. I have to be stranded on the island. Like, is there any way to get off the island? 
No, you're pretty much. Some people say like Bear Grylls. Some people say they're celebrity crush. It just depends on how you want to go out or if you want to try to survive. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm a big Bear Grylls fan. He'll, he'll probably get us through. So I think I'll, I'll go with Bear Grylls just, just for survival purposes. <laughs> That's not a bad decision. It's really not. All right. Last question. And this is, is probably the most controversial one that we ask everybody. Uh, on a hot dog, are you putting ketchup or mustard on it? Ketchup. Oh, my gosh, nice. man. Connor's a Connor's team ketchup and it, it seems like I'm just getting destroyed uh, in the tally here. So. Yeah, I think I think if I had to pick it's for sure ketchup, but I, I might dabble with both of them. All right, we'll take that's a good compromise. We'll take that. <laughs> Christian, thanks a lot for joining us, man. We appreciate the time today. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, yeah thanks for the rest of the yeah, season. Good man. Luck. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Stick to Football episode 30. Thanks to our good pal, Christian McCaffrey. Thanks to the folks at Call of Duty for hooking us up with him. But now it's time to answer your questions. And we have a ton of them this week. So thank you all for, for sending them in. Uh, Kennedy, you've got uh, you got a lot of questions for us this week. Yeah, I have eight questions to be exact. Chris Lamanti on iTunes asked, if you were rebuilding a franchise in this year's draft, would you rather have an extra second round pick or an extra third and fourth round pick? That's a good question. Uh, I would rather have in this year's class specifically, because I don't think it's a very good draft class. I would rather have an extra three and four. Not only are they cheaper picks, but if you, if you like trust your scouting department or if you trust yourself as an evaluator, I, I think you can actually find a starter in the third and fourth round. So on a rebuilding team, like if you're the Niners or the Browns or the Jets, I would rather have the the third and fourth than an extra two. Just and last year it would have been different because I thought last year was really deep class. But just for this year specifically, I think you have a better shot of finding some steals in that mid round area. On the flip side, for me, I'd rather have the extra two in this class because I would try to. If I was a team with two twos in this draft, I'd package them to move back into round one because I just don't think it's a very good class. So I would just go and see, hey. Let's get a guy that we know is a good football player. There's just too many lotto tickets in this class. So there's a lot of different ways to look at it in this. If you do really have faith in your scattering department, you take the extra three and four because you know you could find good players. But if you're nervous about how poor or weak the class is, you take the extra two to move back into round one. Speaking of rebuilding teams and that, how happy are you with the 49ers move? Uh, pretty happy. I gushed about it early, uh, early in the show. I am. Um, you know, I know we won't see him this week. I think CJ Beathard's going to start is what I was text when we started the show anyway. So uh, I'm excited though. I, and I'm just happy that now the possibility of Saquon Barkley being a 49er is getting more and more likely. Miles on iTunes asked, what would be your plan for the Jets for the next two off seasons? Everybody wants you guys to rebuild the Jets. So what's a little mini preview? Oh God, this is long. I'm gonna I'll make it quick so we don't so I don't completely ruin the fix it segment for the Jets. That'll be a fun 30, 45 minutes. Uh, I'm gonna roll with what I've been saying. I would try to sign Kirk Cousins if he gets out. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade him trade for him if they do a tag and trade because I think it'll cost too much. And I would still draft Baker Mayfield even if you have to put package the two twos to move back into the end of round one to take him. I would still try to take Baker Mayfield. I loved Matt's mock draft this week that had the Jets taking Bradley Chubb. I think that is one of the most ideal first-round picks for them in this year's class. 
Yeah, I would, um, you know, my thing with rebuilding teams is I think you always want to try to build a strength. So I would try to take a young defense that already looks really good and turn it into a strength. You know, I like it in the mock. I had them. I mean, right now, the Jets would have the ninth pick. So you're probably not getting one of the, the top two quarterbacks. So you, you do go get someone like Bradley Chubb. And then they have two second round picks and you might have a shot at someone like Baker Mayfield. So it, what and maybe you have to, to trade back up. It, Baker's interesting because I've heard from people in the NFL that they think he's a third rounder. I've heard from other people who think he's a late first. So and then Scott McLuhan, uh, who is one of the most respected evaluators in the entire world, said that Baker was his favorite quarterback in this class. So he's going to be in a really, really interesting evaluation and to see where teams value him. But if I were the Jets, I would look at it that way. I don't think you have to go for broke and trade like you don't have to trade nine and a second to go get Josh Rosen. I don't think it, it comes down like that. I think that the team has shown enough promise. They have a couple more years, at least the front office does, to, to finish this rebuild. So I wouldn't panic and, and tr- like trade up for a quarterback. I would just try to stick with this best player available mentality. I can't wait for you guys to rebuild the Jets. I really can't wait. Me um, too. <laughs> Chase on iTunes asked, Will Cardale Jones get a starting job soon? And if he can, can he be a long-term guy? I'll say no and no. Uh, I don't think so. Um, like there's there's a reason that Cardale Jones has like been moved around. You know, I mean, so yeah, I just don't I don't see it. I, and I like Cardale, and I I bought into the hype when he was coming out in the 2016 draft. But you know, the Bills spent a fourth round pick on him. And saw enough to you know to ship him off to the the L.A. Chargers. So I don't I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, you know, he's he has a big arm, and it would be like it'll be cool to see where he's at next preseason uh, if he's learned anything. You know, sitting behind Philip Rivers. But gosh, I just I don't see it. I really don't. Yeah, I find him to be a really easy guy to root for because he's so fun to watch. He's got a cannon. You know, he was pretty mobile, mobile, and he's just a big guy and always played really hard but when it comes down to it I think his accuracy and decision making was just always a step behind and if you you know if you're behind on both those things you often do not last as a starter in the NFL or you just don't get a chance yep Ryan 207 on iTunes asked can you remember a player who was near the top of your board going into the season and then pretty much fell off by the end of the season Ooh. I can. Um, do you remember Jevin Sneed? Yes. The, he was a quarterback at Ole Miss. Oh, wow. He was he was one that, like, early in the year, I remember thinking, like, dude, this kid could be I – mean, he was a projected first-rounder and then just went undrafted, like, completely fell off. But if you just, like, watched him at practice, he looked like a first-round pick. So he's one. I know that's a while back. Like, some of our younger listeners are like, who the fuck is Jevin Sneed? But he was in the 2010 draft. So that was that was like before I even worked at Bleacher Report. So that's a while back, you know. Another one's Christian Hackenberg, like he yeah. headed into headed into his junior year. I and many other people had him in the first round just based on, you know, like traits and tools, and he'll probably get better, yada yada yada. And he didn't. He actually got worse, and so he dropped off pretty hard. So that's that's a recent one people know of. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing a lot of mock drafts, and I mean, I definitely bought into it at the at the time. In the summer of 2013, having Taj Boyd in the first round, 
And oh, um, I was one of them. Damn it. I get it, though. Like, he was putting up huge numbers. He had, you know, he looked like he could run, had a good arm. And I was like, okay, Tosh Boyd. For, like, I was like, top 50, probably done. It was. I remember that was my senior year of college. And I was like, oh, man, I'm buying in. And then, like, you know, the wheels kind of fell off. And everyone was like, all right, this guy's now a starting NFL quarterback. And, of course, Rex Ryan still takes him in the sixth round of that draft. And he didn't even make it through a preseason. He was so awful. But Tosh Boyd was definitely a more recent one. Brad Kaya. Oh, man, that was a bad one. Yeah. yeah. It's always quarterbacks, it seems like, because they're the guys where you can – quarterback evaluation is so hard anyway, but you really don't know about them until you like, devote serious time to studying them and learning about them as a player. So, like, yeah, like Kaya, Hackenberg, Taj Boyd, Jevin Sneed, you have, like, an early one on these dudes, and then you start watching him, and you're like, nope, no, no, thank you. So it's it's crazy how people will hold you to what you said in, like – August about a player before you've really had a chance to study them and you're just kind of working off, you know, like the little bit of tape you saw the year before or like recommendations. So it's gosh, quarterbacks suck. I hate, I hate scouting quarterbacks for that reason. Cause it is really hard. Richard Royal on Twitter asked, would Chip Kelly be a success in Florida? I already know who I want my coach to be in Florida, but would Chip Kelly be a success? I think so. I think he would fix the offense, and I think he would recruit really well around there. I think he'd be fine. I just don't believe that Chip Kelly necessarily wants to go to Florida. Agreed. Who's Kennedy, who do you want to be the coach there? Uh, Charlie Strong. I mean, I Thank think you. it's such a perfect fit. You can't, you can't pick a better person who knows Florida better than I him. do like the fit a lot. That's what I was, I was tweeting about it. Yeah. So I, I do think Chip Kelly could be – he could have success there. I also think Chip Kelly is one of the most overrated coaches of the last 10 years. I, I mean, like, mm-hmm. what'd they do at Oregon? They had some ran, cool uniforms for the and hills scored a ton of points. <laughs> yeah, I, I got... Pull the Pete Carroll. Yeah, exactly, exactly because, Kennedy. Maybe I'm a, a jaded 49ers fan. I just don't think Chip Kelly's that great of a coach. Um, I would go after... I think recruiting regionally is so important. And Charlie Strong... Charlie Strong stole Teddy Bridgewater from Miami. And got him to go to Louisville, like, and he was like, he was when he was at Texas, he was stealing kids from from Gainesville and having them come to Austin. So like, he can recruit the Florida as well as anyone in the country. And I know people on Twitter when I suggested it were like three programs in three years. You really think someone would do that? Hell yes! Like to get a job where he was the defensive coordinator under Urban Meyer to go back to Gainesville. I think he would do it. I just don't know if the boosters will, you know, will line up the money to pay someone like Charlie. Yeah, pe- people said that he's the best recruiter. I know as an Oklahoma fan, he was taking kids from Oklahoma. And when yeah. you take recruits from Oklahoma to go to Texas, that's a big deal. Speaking of, hey, by the way, you know, I kind of had a, a rough weekend. I'm going to chug my Natty Light in the Oklahoma shirt Thursday night. Thursday night. I have to do radio. I'm doing some, I'm hosting some local radio for a friend who's out. Then we're going to record the first Stick to Football Friday. Then I'm chugging that damn beer for you. So it's happening. It's scheduled. You've said I just want to let you know. It's scheduled. So it better happen, Matt. We've been waiting now. It's been like three weeks. Jake from State Farm on Twitter asks, if the Redskins get a top 15 or top 10 pick, who is the best fit for their needs? Minka Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah. They need a safety. They need help in the secondary. Go get probably the best guy in this draft in the secondary in Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't know if they'll be in range to get him, though. Yeah, I don't either. I think he is the best guy, but if they can't go safety, if they can't go Minka, 
Uh, I would look at the corners, you know, like Holton Hill or Denzel Ward. I think corner is still a pretty big need for them. The defensive line's a pretty big need too. And I know they picked Jared Allen or Jonathan Allen last year, but he's hurt again. I think that's a concern long term. And even if he's back, you still need another defensive end. So someone like Christian Wilkins, uh, Maurice Hurst, those would be guys I would look at in in their like top fifteen range, not so much in the top ten. But I mean, they they for them like everything revolves around the quarterback. You know what do they do at quarterback? Do they keep Kirk Cousins? Do they trade him? Do they let him walk? Because if they let Kirk Cousins go, they're in the running for, you know, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen and everyone else. Richard Bradshaw on Twitter. I love your question. What does Baker Mayfield have left to do to become a first round selection? uh, Dominate the draft process. That's, you know, oh God, Matt. Uh, you know, interview really well, which I believe he will. I, I'm really not concerned about the arrest uh, from people I've talked to. They don't really care about him getting arrested for public intoxication. Um, he's a college kid like everyone else. And, I mean, honestly, it's at, it's almost out of his hands. It, sure, if he goes and leads his team to, you know, big wins down the stretch, of course the season matters. But looking after the season – this just feels like a situation to me, once again, where a team will do a Paxton Lynch-type move and go back into round one to go get Baker. And if they don't, somebody will move to the top of day two to take Baker. I just don't think he's going to slide into the late second round anymore because it's the it's the concept of it only takes one team. And there will be an NFL team that believes in him as a starting NFL quarterback that justifies a top 33 selection. Yeah, I, I you know I joked he needs to grow two inches. That really might be it. I mean, and there are going to be there are going to be questions about does his play translate, right? Like, and there's going to be that question about a lot of guys. I just, gosh, it it's like so inexact, you know. Like, it's just my instinct. I just don't think you can bet against Baker Mayfield. And it, I know he's he's a little short. He's a little wild. Um, on and off the field, but he's his confidence and like he's a very different player than Deshaun Watson. But when you watch Deshaun play, like the ability to bounce back from mistakes and how poised he is, I see a lot of that in Baker Mayfield. Like he just doesn't give a fuck. Like he, if he throws a pick, whatever, it, it, he's not going to be gun shy because of it. Or if he if he gets sacked, it's not that doesn't mean he's not going to run the rest of the game. Like that ability to just compartmentalize and, and be okay. That was a bad play. I'm going to move on from it. You see a lot of quarterbacks, especially young guys, they throw a pick. They're going to get timid to that area of the field, or they're going to get timid thrown into that window again. He has that gene where he just doesn't, he just doesn't care. And it, it can be good. And sometimes it can be bad, but because of it, like I had him in the first round of that mock draft on Monday morning. And I don't, I don't think it's a crazy prediction to put him there right now. It's crazy to watch him go from the sideline to on the field because on the sideline, he, he's a maniac. He's yes. screaming at all of his players, and then all of a sudden he steps up, steps up on the field, and it's poised. I like, love everything. None of that him. ever just happened. I love the shit talking before the game. I love the way his mental makeup. I'm fully on board. Last question of the day from Rich on Twitter: What is your favorite Halloween candy as a kid, and what is it now? God, that's a great. That's a good way to close this out. Probably Reese's, and as. Now I don't I don't really I hate to be that guy I just don't really eat a ton of candy anymore, but uh, I will say this my hot take is I'm a candy corn guy. 
Ooh. Yeah. Oh. I know that's controversial right now. There's really no in between with people on candy corn. You're either all about it or you absolutely you think it's an abomination like pineapple pizza. Uh, I am. That's pro, an abomination. I, I am pro. I am pro candy corn. I think Matt is a candy corn hater, if I remember correctly, from a draft show last year. He called. Yeah. He called candy corn uh, poor people candy. <laughs> I, yeah. I have a good memory. I have a really good memory with weird things that don't matter at all. <laughs> Uh, that will, I'll have to put more money in the, the douchebag jar that Marshall and Dan have penalized me with. Oh, that was great. Uh, growing up, my favorite was a Snickers bar, um, which we were talking about this last night, me and a couple of my brothers that like I was born in the early eighties. So I went through that phase where Halloween was like satanic and you couldn't go trick or treating, you know, cause there was like, so it was like some years we went, some years we didn't. So it was like, do you know, do we get to go trick or treating this year? Um, so Snickers probably was my favorite growing up. I don't know about now. I steal Emmett's candy. I mean, like, probably Tootsie Rolls, I guess. But we will go trick-or-treating tonight, and he'll dump his candy out on the floor, and I will take my tax. You know, like, okay, it's 40 degrees, and I'm walking you around. This is mine. This is mine. So Snickers is a bona fide top three candy. Like, you never find somebody that goes, like, ah, I don't like Snickers. Yeah. It's a bona fide. It's a bona fide top three candy. Kennedy, what's your and favorite not- Halloween candy? I mean, I wasn't a kid that long ago, but... Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we get it. <laughs> yeah. But M&M's, for sure. But now, I'm, I'm really into the Sour Patch Kids. I love those. Ooh, the watermelon cool. one, that's to be specific. Good, that's a really good pick. Oh, the, those are so good right now. But, you know, as a kid, went for the M&M's. The safe choice. Two years ago, when you were still a kid. Yeah. <laughs> right before the podcast started. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah so alright that's our show um, thanks for hanging out with us we'll be back like I said for a Friday morning stick to football so make sure you're subscribed uh, make sure you're leaving those reviews and keep uh, keep helping us build this thing and, and hopefully it'll it'll go to, maybe we'll do three episodes a week who knows so uh, for Connor for Kennedy I'm Matt thanks for listening